0: Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Conversations with the C-Suite, where we speak about a very hot and important topic in for the C-Suite, which is marketing. There is a school of thought that believes that a company's rise and fall is actually decided by their marketing because we are all in a culture that goes on to believe that revenue is tied to experience and experience is tied to what the marketing creates and pushes for across the organization. And today as our guest, I have Jeff Hollingworth. CMO of Rocket and Symphony. Now we both are colleagues, but that's not the reason why Jeff is here. Jeff is here because I started following him even before we got to know each other, and what I really found very, very, um, you know, inviting about Jeff and the posts that he used to share was the humor in business. Right? If somebody could blend humor. It all started with me reading about his posts on the various Gs and how he navigated through the various Gs uh, in telecom and whether they are of really value, all that tied with humor really, really took me by surprise because it was a breath of fresh air in marketing. Then I got to know Jeff better and you know what Jeff brings to the table is visible in The kind of marketing and the social media posts Rakuten Symphony is creating which is all the rage in the market today right and Jeff is a veteran and he brings a unique combination of solid domain experience where he's stuck on to telco for several decades he understands the technology inside out and I fundamentally believe that that skill set tied with his impeccable marketing capabilities of which humor is a major element combined with some great people skills, is what makes him also a consultant for many C-suite and many companies as well outside of his role as a CMO. And in that respect, I welcome Jeff to the show. Jeff, thanks for joining us today.
1: Uh, thank you very much for, for inviting me to be here. I, I think I might travel around with, I might invite you to travel around with me and uh, introduce me elsewhere. Actually, that sounded worth <laughs> good.
0: For sure. For sure. It's, it will be my pleasure. Okay. So now I want to get to the core of today's conversation, right? So, I mean, let me start with how I started the introduction, right? The success of a company thrives on the success of its marketing function. A company can rise to be a market leader with a not so great product, but with some stellar marketing team if they pull in the right message. Do you agree? Is marketing for real or it's also your make-believe and it can pull that kind of a rabbit out of the hat?
1: I I think that's a great opening question. And and in this conversation, by the way, occasionally I'll reach to my left and uh, I'm I'm drinking a cup of tea. It, It probably will disappear occasionally. (laughs) that <laughs> um, uh we have uh, we if you see me reaching left, that's what I'm doing uh I think it's a very it's a great place to start, uh and maybe rather than anchoring marketing uh or anchoring the discussion at all in whether the product is good or whether the right message is uh there, I think the correct way to view marketing is by anchoring it inside the outcomes you're trying to achieve with the person that you are doing business with. Uh, A product is never finished. It's never ready. Uh, There's always the next version of a product that will improve it. For example, when the iPhone came out in 2007, you couldn't cut and paste. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't do the basics. It was a very underdeveloped product from the perspectives of the PC and other things around it. But it got some other things very, very correct. And those things powered through, and now we use iPhones, we use Androids that are all inspired that same way. So I think it's it doesn't really matter if you have a good product or a bad product. It doesn't matter if you have a good message or a bad message. It's it's important that both of those things are aligned with what is going to make the life of the person you're selling to better. And you can't fake that. The moment you fake that, then you're just building up uh, business debt for the future.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, so Steve Jobs is a great example of uh, marketing, um, right? And you know a lot of businesses still follow what um, G- Steve Jobs did, and you have a great point there. So then, then how is B two B and B two C different, right? Because when you spoke about Apple and the product, you're you're essentially talking about a B two C segment, and you can create that kind of an euphoria. But how does it differ for B two B? Like, what in your view? separates the two, though both of them have started kind of leveraging the same medium. Please walk us through if B2C and B2B should have different marketing approaches, where do they converge and where do they diverge?
1: Yeah, it's you, you'll start to see a very common thread throughout this conversation where we always start by anchoring in the the person actually who needs to make the decision, so the customer. Uh, and, and one way to start on that continuum is to understand how consequential is the decision that person is making. So if I'm buying a chocolate bar, uh, then I can choose to buy a chocolate bar without a lot of repercussions on whether I like that chocolate bar or not. It's it's not going to change my life. It's not a massively considered decision. Uh, so then you have a very transactory relationship and you're just trying to find attention and get through the noise the next level up which is the iphone is quite a good one when the iphone came out that was a 600 700 investment by people people had to decide whether that was worth doing there was a little bit more consideration the the other one that normally is is brought up is when you buy a car you tend not to just buy a car on a whim unless you are hugely independently wealthy you tend to research it you want to understand more you're trying to find people to advise you quite often that's friends that's it has to be people that you trust but there's more consideration in that uh buying uh journey uh then B2B, when you're buying for a multi-year program, multi-year product, telecom's a great example of this. When when people make decisions in telecom, they're going to live the consequences of those decisions for 10 years yeah. at a, a national scale. Uh, suddenly, because of those consequences, there has to be much more consideration and much more understanding on the buyer's behalf on on what they're buying, does it meet their needs and will it will it work? Now, the also the additional challenge is that in a in a company, when you're selling to a company, that for these complicated decisions, there's not one buyer, there's six buyers, there's seven buyers. And they're all coming from a different perspective. There's an operations person that has to use the product, maybe. There's a technical person that has to decide if it's going to match the requirements. There is a procurement person. There is a finance person. So one of the challenges in B2B is actually positioning and educating the buyer where you don't come down to a common denominator across all of those different uh, perspectives. You actually give them something that's going to transform how they do something to get today to be something that they can do better tomorrow.
0: Got it. Okay. So it all starts with a buyer um, persona and and the long-term impact of the decision that they are making,
1: right? Yeah, and it's it's always I, – I think the biggest uh, – The one piece of advice, if you want to be really good, and this is true if you're a CEO, a marketing person, a technical person, stand in your customer's shoes and see the world from their perspective and make sure they, and this will resonate with you, your customer has to be more successful because they're with you than without you.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So continuing on the above, right? I mean, the dark social is a big trend. Again, I'm harping on, uh, you know how different is b2b and b2c so there are some major you know influencers on linkedin that keep saying that the traditional way of um, you know attracting or demand generation has gone right you do not no longer our webinars and uh, there is so much plethora of knowledge available that webinar as a medium conferences as a medium do not really generate the kind of demand that converts whereas all that influence has gone towards social media and influencers where people pick on chatter, right? People pick on the chatter and the noise that the social media generates to actually build trust, which is a very important element in uh, buying a product. And this seems to be a trend in B2B also. Your thoughts, do you observe this trend? Is marketing about to change the way we market, the way we generate demand? Is it about to change uh, from where we were in the last century? Is it taking a pivot towards very informal medium?
1: Obviously, things are radically different now than they were, were even 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So our access to information, content. So the the challenges we have in terms of attention is is radically working in a, a different landscape. I, I was reading a, a place that if you don't capture somebody's attention in the first 12 seconds... Then you'll never get you'll you've lost them. Uh but the decisions that we're taking, at least in a B2B sense, are considered not flighty. They they have consequences. But because of the noise out there, you do need to, to punch through and add value in a much more succinct and initial way, I would argue. So it's like a relationship almost where. You first, you have to be noticed and you have to be uh, seen as being valuable to spend time with. And then if you can build that trust, then uh, there are longer term mediums that that are required to to help educate. Because there has to be an education. Fundamentally, what you're trying to get to is making sure that the person that you're doing business with is fully educated and can make the best decision from their point of view. And it, it does require time. But appreciate the fact, I, I see this problem so many times with presentations, by the way. So one of my pet, uh, uh, if you like, hobbies and, uh, and pet hates is, is presentations. Uh, when you're presenting, it's not about you it's about the audience so respect the fact that the audience is giving you the only thing they can't get more of which is time so what do they really need to get out of this and how can the thing that you are giving them help them afterwards if you can't answer that question you should not be presenting to people
0: mm, got it so just continuing on that uh, thread right is is rocket and symphony trying to build a community like you know how what community-based, uh, you know, marketing initiatives are we taking? I know that YouTube has a lot of subscribers, and you know there is a lot of hit on our videos. But outside of that, are we nurturing any communities around Telco specific topics, etc.? Are we using that as a strategy to create that noise?
1: So, if you are, if you are, I think if you're working in telecom today. You're aware that there is a paradigm shift going on, where people accept that the very slow, hardware-centric, non-automated approach of yesterday needs to change into something that is is very software-driven di- and very uh, dynamic when appropriate. Uh, so there's there is a there's a group of people with the interest to understand what that means. How can I be a part of it? Uh, in, in actual fact, if you are wanting to be a future data scientist and play with nation scale uh, systems and data, then telecom is the future. Tele- the future of telecom will be a data driven, AI driven uh, operational model that will affect more people than than any other industry. So that community exists and we're absolutely trying to lead the way from our experience in Rakuten mobile and, and sharing what we've learned and what we're bringing to other people in Rakatan symphony. And the, we, we start to approach the point where it's not only our voices it's other people's voices. So the definition of a community being not speaking, but listening, uh, I think we're slowly getting there. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a big community, but it does have to be a community of of people who are all interested in the same thing.
0: Got it. Okay, that makes sense. Now, um, w- what is your view on um, you know using um, you know very informal, fun media such as TikTok and YouTube Shorts for B two B and business company uh, business companies? Right? Do you think? It's a good strategy to explore humor and levity even in business settings as a brand building strategy do you do that do you I know you as a person you're you're very uh, you know humorous but it does it does it also um, you know make its way into your marketing
1: approach? I'm going to drink my cup of tea at that point i uh, uh, yes uh, i I think humor is is one of the the, the emotions that we all have as humans uh, and humor is tremendously powerful because it allows us there's two there's two things that are powerful there's humans and the humor and there's uh storytelling and it allows us to imagine something different or break us out of how we are locked into a point of view uh, you see the same thing so that's why stand-up comedy is tremendously powerful in terms of political disruption because they're willing to say things in a way that's not offensive but but is anchored in truth and people hear it uh in a different way than uh, if someone was confronting that topic uh it's exactly the same because it's it's there's very little difference between storytelling marketing and uh and humor in my mind they the mutually inclusive
0: got it so that takes me to the next uh, question right what about storytelling right i mean when you sit down and conceptualize a theme for a campaign or when you are deciding to start a new campaign or to launch a new product such as mobile as a software right that was a brilliant video that uh, you know we saw during the launch and just around time for mwc so how do you approach that do you look for storytelling do you want to bring out a story that resonates with people or you just approach it as a narrative style okay this is my product this is what it does these are the features this is what is good for you because a story can um, transport a person to a different land and and tell tell a, and, and set a perspective whereas a narrative style just is just a monologue right So what is your preferred method and how do you bring stories out?
1: But you said that beautifully. You're trying to take someone to a different land that doesn't exist yet and have them understand what that land might feel like, what the experience could be that's very different from the reality, perhaps, that people are living in today. Movies do this all all the time. I mean, the, the entrance of Star Wars, once upon a time in a land far, far away, it transported the audience immediately to a different space, a different time, a different reality, that's That's what great storytelling does. And the people that can do it the best allow the audience to get there, the audience is already in that land before they realize that they've they've actually moved. Uh, and the heroes in that story are not the products. they're not the the companies selling. They're the people who will have challenges that are really hard today and and can solve them in different ways tomorrow. So there's all the characters that you have to have. You have to have the heroes, the problems, the the uh, villains. Uh, uh, and then people, people end up with a different mental model of what they believe the future can be. Yeah. Uh, and once you have someone with a different mental model, then that person starts to build on your story. The definition of a great story, I would argue, is when someone else builds on top of it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So coming to that point, right? So we spoke about marketers, you know, transporting the people to a different land where they could have that kind of an experience. Do you believe that to be a good marketer, you also need to be a good psychologist or, you know, you need to understand people's psychology? And so is there an element of manipulation that usually comes in because you're so good in managing mass human psychology, right? Not just one person. You're actually, you know, managing human imaginations and psychology at scale so are marketers also good psychologists
1: so i'll so since we're talking about stories i'll tell you a story i was uh, in a in a bar in stockholm once uh, with my uh, 20 year old daughter and she was asking me what i did and i was explaining how I helped people make better decisions. And after I'd finished explaining this, she looked at me without blinking and and she said, that sounds like manipulation. (laughs) Uh, uh, So the fact that you just said is this manipulation. Uh, The the only difference uh, is that you care about the outcomes for the person you're speaking to more than you care about the outcomes for yourself. Uh, And... Uh, A good marketer uh, always cares about the outcomes for the person that they're doing business with more than the immediate outcomes for your your self-interests. And if you get that wrong, the the reason why that's important is that 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 customer will be disappointed. It won't meet their goals. You will spend more as a business managing disappointed customers. You know this better than myself with... Working so closely with customer success that the most you have to care more about the customer than you care about yourself. Now, in previous lives, this has caused me certain friction with salespeople. I have been labelled anti-sales in different <laughs> organizations because <laughs> I refuse to uh, to uh, put the interests of uh, you know what we're trying to do ahead of the interests of the the customer. And, and what i believe but it's it's a thin line so and the tools that you the tools that you learn uh, are can be very tactical i uh, and you can choose to use them for good and for bad uh it's the same as hacking computer hacking you can choose yeah. to be a black hat or a white hat uh be a white hat
0: yeah <laughs> so so then coming, following on that question, right? So do you think, uh, I mean, I fundamentally believe that understanding the domain and the technology space that you're in is important for every function to be able to do their job the best, right? And especially more so for, uh, you know, marketing. Uh, though I see that marketing is always viewed as a yeah, parallel skill, where you got to have exceptional human and communication and storytelling skills. And, and without a depth in that domain, it is still possible to do justice to your job, which I fundamentally do not believe can bring out the best. What is your view? Do you think the technical domain, the no, not just techn- the product domain, the space that you're in, and the understanding of the product and not just the customers, right, is important to be a successful marketer?
1: Yeah, I I think this is one of the changes that's happened in the world over the last uh, 20 20 plus years. I think when the world moved in a slower cadence and companies were more established, I think it was easier to be just a domain expert in, in one talent. So you could just be a marketing person or you could be a salesperson or you could be a technical person. I think the the rate of change now and the the uh, differences that the mobile industry has made and the internet companies now t- to truly empathise with the person that you are trying to make a better future for it's really hard to do that if you don't understand what they face every day at a very practical uh, level and to do that then you have to understand the technology and also I mean, I was very lucky. I mm-hmm. I was the first generation uh, human that had a computer at home. So I I learned software from the age of 14. I was I was learning software before software was actually a profession. Mm-hmm. So when I I was studying at school, I had to take the other sciences because people didn't recognize computer science as a as yeah. an actual career, discipline, or value. And obviously now we look around and and the exact opposite is true but what that means is that i kind of understand how everything works so i can i have two superpowers one is that i do i can see how something can help somebody's life from an outcomes but also quite often one of the challenges with technology is that engineers use it as a weapon to not do things that they don't want to do so Having Hmm. that knowledge allows you to to say to an engineer, that's not true, is it? (laughs) Which the engineer says, no, that's not actually true. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay. So what is the, how is marketing measured at the C-suite, right? Let's say that somebody wants to enter marketing as a profession and to build their career in uh, marketing. What results must you deliver? Like, Is it just demand gen? Or, I mean, people have always viewed... Um, you know the whole point of marketing should tie into um, you know the demand that you are able to generate in the market, but that is a very one-sided view of marketing, right? So what other skills or what other measurable outcomes that marketing should be able to deliver for a company?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really that's a great question. Uh, I think it all comes down to uh, uh, first understanding. The customers that that you should be Personally. doing business with, yeah, that that are most suited for you actually being able to materially help them. Uh, I work. I, I'm very lucky now to to have in my uh, circle of uh, friends various people, and and one gentleman runs a positioning company, and this guy is called Bob Wright, and it's he runs a company called Firebrick Consulting. And he describes positioning uh, using the analogy or the story of you go to a party and you notice when you walk in the party, there's always a group of people that are milling about in the middle of the room uh, that are kind of not really speaking about anything. But in each corner of the room, there are different conversations which are much more animated and much more uh, passionate. Uh, And his analogy is that... Most of the companies that market their products are sat in the middle of the room saying we can work with anybody and we can do anything and we're great. But the people sat in the corner of the room are saying, we solve this specific problem and we'll make your life better this way. And the people they're speaking to absolutely are interested in doing that and want to do that with them. So there's a certain step one, I think, is understanding what your position is on who those customers are that you can most materially help and accelerate. Then demand generation isn't interesting. It's got to turn into marketing has to be something that translates that interest into customers. Uh, and, and then. The last leg of the stool is that marketing has to make sure those customers working with customer success, those customers actually are having what was promised delivered. They're yeah. happy. Uh, and the definition of that is they're willing to become advocates for what you're doing to other people. So, yeah. and again, coming back to, to, I think the ultimate marketing company, which is Apple and, and Steve Jobs, I mean, the most zealous Advocates of a product uh, are Apple people mm-hmm. where they'll even they'll even defend something when it's not very good. I mean that's <laughs> kind of it's bizarre.
0: The yeah, strength of the yeah, brand
1: yeah. is so powerful that they'll they'll even make excuses on behalf of the company,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. So what makes marketing tick then? is it uh, is it the ability? So ultimately, marketing, can I say that the you have done a very successful job at marketing. If you're able to create that kind of a resonance with your customers, that they are able to become your brand ambassadors fully knowing that there are flaws in the product, in the brand, in whatever it may be, but the, the loyalty will just not diminish and they will still stick around with you because you have communicated your core values so well that it resonates with people. Can we say that that is the ultimate success of marketing?
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a good, uh, that's a very good description. That's a very good summary. So you know who you are. Maybe the starting point is you need to know who you are as a company yeah. Yeah. and you need to be consistent and never change from that. And then you need to deliver on that promise. And then you need to find people that that uh, also benefit from being associated with you and also can help you be better. That's another great thing that that Apple does.
0: Yeah, yeah. So final question on this topic, right? Like what, so there is a lot of, um, you know, talk around AI and especially after ChatGPT became a rage. I have consistently seen everyone saying that certain marketing skills is going to become redundant, right? ChatGPT can write such beautiful stories or it can do copywriting for you. It can create a story for you and so certain marketing skills right are going to become redundant you're not going to need them do you see that you think that will happen eventually like with chat gpt replace marketers <laughs> no, no.
1: <laughs> i i mean at, at the end of the day uh, the world will still uh, mm-hmm. need humans to work with humans what i think chat GTP will do is is provide different tool a different tool and a different opportunity to help us do certain things faster better uh where we don't need to to worry about things but our whole conversation i uh, i think we're it won't be in my lifetime where a machine can actually empathize with another human understand how their lives can be better and uh, and and actually deliver on that i i saw a great photograph uh, of It was in the late 1980s, and there were some teachers protesting about the calculator and how it was going to destroy the students' ability students. to do maths. Yeah. So yeah. whenever there's a new technology, there is concern that it's going to remove some basic skills that that I uh, uh, that should not be removed. But that that's never true. Uh, my my advice to all of us in marketing is to learn how ChatGTP and any of these tools can genuinely help you do your job better. And that's no different from learning how Google helps you do your job better. And do that sooner rather than later, because then you will will probably be on the front of uh, the capabilities rather than the back.
0: Yeah, got it, all right. So with that, I come to the end of the marketing topic. Now, we will explore Jeff as a human, right? I mean, because so we are in the business of people, right? Our viewers and listeners need to know, you know, what Jeff is all about. Ready? Ready for some rapid-fire questions?
1: Well, we can try this, yes.
0: Okay. So, you're off to the moon and you're never coming back, and you're allowed to take one thing with you. What is that one thing you can never live without? It can be anything.
1: Uh, it's probably... A magical cask of beer that never empties. <laughs> okay,
0: <laughs> okay. One favorite book or a movie that you keep going back to again and again—you can read it over and over, or you can watch it again and again—is there one such book or a movie?
1: I one book that has always stuck in my mind just because I did it at school, and I I find it I. Uh, uh, disturbingly prescient is 1984, George Orwell 1984. So, I, uh, uh, it's I, I have no idea how George Orwell could write a book that that seemed to predict everything so accurately. When even technology, uh, he he got right in that. Uh, the uh, for films, that for some reason I find the Shawshank Redemption fascinating. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, just again, because it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic story. Uh, right. the, the one thing that amazes me, and I always know this, and some authors can do this and some authors can't. So there's an author in England called Jeffrey Archer, who, uh, he yeah. just writes trashy novels <laughs> uh, by the bottom of the first page of all of his books. You care about the character that he's introduced. And I have no idea how he does that. It's like magic. Magic. But you actually fall into being interested about that person and caring as if they existed. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, a technology will never replace genius. All it will do is fill the world with more, more, you know, average.
0: Yeah. So you're not in a room and a bunch of people that know you really well are talking about you. What are they likely to tell about you? What is your USP or brand value that they will all talk about you?
1: Uh, I hope that uh, uh, I encourage people to be open-minded, that uh, people could speak and, and not feel trapped. Uh, the uh, But that's a good question to ask them. Their answer <laughs> might be tremendously different.
0: okay so a bunch of college grads with absolutely similar academic background are coming to you for a job in your team right on the basis of pure soft skills who's likely to win that coveted role in your team what soft skills matter to you the most
1: the person that's most curious the person that asks the most interesting questions the person that wants to interview me not have me interview them uh, okay the, and then I can guarantee, if you're curious, you can choose what you want to do.
0: Okay, so are you driv- living your dream life? Like, what did young Jeff wanted to do? <laughs> and are, are you? The, is it the same? Is are you living that life, or what would you tell your younger self looking back now?
1: I I did one thing very well when I was tremendously young, which my parents hated, by the way, which is that I just did the things that came easy to me so i did the things that i was i was naturally good at because i didn't have to try very hard i uh, and if you do things that you're naturally good at then you will become very good at them uh, after you've done them for 10,000 years or 20 10,000 hours or 20,000 hours whatever it is i uh, so choose something that you're you're good at and that you enjoy and then and then it doesn't really feel like work i uh, uh, at all so the other bit of advice I'd give anybody is not to have a plan the only plan you should have is what you enjoy and you're passionate about and and it's and passion is a it's like it's uh you shouldn't I don't think passion is becoming a movie star or doing something <laughs> like that pa- passion is what do you wake up in the morning uh enjoy doing and try and find a place to do it
0: yeah okay so um Everybody has a yeah, favorite peer, right? Fear peer or a mentor. Like who's your favorite marketer? Like it could be a celebrity or it could be somebody that you know from your work. So who's who inspires you the most when it comes to marketing? And and you think, oh, this person I can learn from, or you know, I I would love spending some one or two hours with. Is there such a person?
1: Uh they uh well the, the, the throwaway the, the cheap line on this but it's unfortunately it's always true that I uh so probably Steve Jobs is is the best marketer. Uh and he wasn't a marketer. The important he thing here, no. So there's a lesson in that. I, I think I uh, you you aren't a marketer, you're a CEO. That can market that understands technology. I think yeah. that's the definition of what good looks like if you want to be in one of the companies that similar to what we are in. Uh he also he didn't say more, he said less. Yes. So always simplify, take things away. Uh the hardest thing to do is to speak less. Yeah. Right. Then in my in my private professional circle, there's just some people that Uh, really help me. Uh, I I can pick up the phone. Bob Wright is one of them. I can pick up the phone. He doesn't understand anything about uh, my challenges, but I describe them to him and he can frame them uh, almost like magic because he's done it so many times. Uh, uh, And then there's just, and and people will know who I'm speaking to uh, if they listen to this, there's just a a group of people who have mentored me from a life point of view, uh, and uh, and have also turned up. I mean, one lesson I would tell everybody is that never never believe that what you see is allows you to understand who a person is, because everyone has tragic stories in their background yes. and challenges, and uh, some people turn up when uh, you you're going through those, and you should turn up for other people. So there's a group of people that have turned up for me uh, at very desperate times and uh, they know who they are.
0: Okay. So looking back, what is that one thing you will, you regret? Like, is there, or do you have any regret at all? Like one thing that you will never do if you were given a chance?
1: If I could go back and live life again, I'd be braver. And I'd, I'd be, I'd worry less. So yeah. the, uh, I, I, the all of the reasons why you don't do things uh, tend not to turn up. It's very rare they turn up. It's usually the things that you don't plan for, you can't see that are the really hard things to to cope with. So, uh, I would have changed companies more often, uh, and I would have seen what happened. Now, the result of that uh, could be that I wouldn't be speaking to you today, and I maybe would be, you know, on some street corner, uh, kind of trying to to get $5 from somebody i uh, but uh you don't know you don't exactly. know so i think you have to live i think you i think you do have to wake up every morning and uh live the day that you have for that day yeah and yes
0: yeah. yeah yeah i i completely agree with you right i mean personally for me i have gone from wanting to control everything about my life to completely, you know, letting go and just let it flow. And and it has, it has helped, right? Yeah.
1: Well, that's a wonderful way to say it. I I think it is control. I think uh, uh, some of my, there's a Zen saying that you're never more empowered when you don't care.
0: You don't care, yeah.
1: yeah. And when you don't care. So one one advice to anyone listening is if you go into an interview, honestly, don't care and you'll probably get the job (laughs) because people can tell and you behave differently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And okay. Any, any final um, thoughts or message or anything that you want to share before we close?
1: Well, I'd just like to congratulate you. I mean, we've known each other now for for coming up for a year. I I think you're fabulous. I think uh, uh, you're a good role model for people to, to, also understand and follow and uh the the interesting part even for the preparation for this uh event you you did it with such discipline uh so you i didn't have to worry about anything you you took care of everything and there's a lesson there that that pay attention to what you care about and what you do and do things well and then yeah. then i think you go good places
0: Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. And I mean, it's an absolute honor to have you on this show. I mean, this uh, particular podcast series is is with an intention to help so many aspiring female leaders that want to make it to leadership titles and roles. This is shared across various groups, various communities in an effort to make it look simple for them, right? Leadership is not a far cry. It is doable. It is possible. And so the lessons that you have shared in such simple uh, terms uh, were very valuable I think if at all I want to learn something from you I want to learn to be able to tell what I want to tell with humor and simplicity and on that note I will conclude this podcast thank you for your time and see you at office soon bye thank
1: you so much <laughs>
0: thank you bye
1: bye bye